This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from Ephesians chapter 2. The verses are 1 through 10. And the title of this week's lesson is God's Grace. From the New King James, the text reads, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Praise God's holy and divine word. In our study of chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, Paul's focus is to supply his readers with the widest and most extensive survey of the blessings of God that they received in the gospel. There, the themes of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ effectively remind us that we are, as believers, engaged not with mere human matters, but with God. Not merely with time, but with eternity. Our lives were lost in sin following the course of this world and under the influence of the spirit of this world. Our attitude was essentially disobedience and therefore subject to God's wrath. We were dead in sin. However, God has made those in Christ alive. In Christ, Almighty God, the giver of life and source of all blessings, becomes the foundation of our existence in the present and the future. The power of the resurrection is greater than a contingent historical truth, greater than an eternal rational truth. Rather, it is God's divine truth in action, an expression of his will. It is most emphatically revelation, God's grace is the unmerited favor he extends to humanity. Although Paul reminds us we deserve to be punished for our sins, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, God sent Jesus to die in our place. Consequently, we have the opportunity to be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
Romans 3, verse 24. Because God's grace has appeared to all men, Titus 2, verse 11, everyone can be saved. Those who benefit from God's grace must accept it on his terms. All must access the saving grace of God through faith. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 1. To help us appreciate the value of God's grace, we must acknowledge daily in prayer and supplication that God saves us despite our behavior, not because of it. Our actions, no matter how pure or upright, does not accrue God's indebtedness. God sent Jesus because of his love for us. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, verse 8. Our lesson text, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, emphasizes the connection between God's grace, the blessings of God, and man's salvation. Paul stresses man's responsibility to obey the gospel and the transformative power capable of initiating a life faithfully lived. Before submission to God's plan, we are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. Afterward, we are alive together with Christ, verse 5. By looking at the connection between God's grace and our salvation, we will inevitably be moved to greater levels of appreciation and devotion. Recognizing the state we were in emphasizes how far we have come through God's grace and, therefore, the responsibility inherent to our present blessings. We must understand we are made by God for the purpose of serving him. The blessings in Ephesians 1 are not enumerated to create a sense of entitlement. Quite the opposite. We are to recognize the value of the unmitigated favor of God and continuously strive to glorify God. Before we obeyed the gospel, we were subject to sin, the intrigues of the evil genius, the prince of the power of the air, verse 2. He whose subtle influence pervades the atmosphere. Sin is lawlessness, 1 John 3, verse 4. Or, as John said in another place, all unrighteousness is sin. That's 1 John 5, verse 17. We were compelled by cultural influences and thus, and thus walked according to the course of this world, Ephesians 2, verse 2. The phrase, course of this world, 
New King James, is also rendered ways of this world, NIV. Those who allow the world to determine what is valuable will inevitably seek what the world exalts. We were compelled by the prince of the power of the air, verse 2. Another source influencing sinfulness is personal lust and greed, Paul writes. We all conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, Ephesians 2, verse 3. James made a similar point when he declared, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James 1, verse 14 through 15. Paul writes about those who are children of wrath, and is referring to the coming judgment for those who allow themselves to be led by fleshly desires. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, Romans 1 and verse 18. All the initiative for death is a result of human pride. Adam and Eve were not satisfied to be obedient creatures of God. They sought to be gods. Christians must understand why they need to be reconciled to God. The beginning of the path to life is the realization that everyone is lost in sin without God's grace. The initiative to save is the result of unending grace. Jesus holds out life for people, for all who have become children of death. Having given life from the dead, God raised a people to sit in heavenly places. Life belongs to the redeemed in the eternal now as well as in the age to come. Thankfully, God offers life to those who are dead in sin regardless of what prompted the sinful behavior. But God, verse 4, God gives us his knowledge through Christ so that we might be delivered from those tendencies that would lead us astray. Those who fail to follow Christ, those who live only for self-interest, are those children who have a nature characterized by wrath. But God took the initiative with his amazing grace. Those who remain worldly focused may retain a naive focus on salvation through technology or democratic capitalism. However, neither education nor legislation can rescue human beings from spiritual death, captivity, or condemnation. God is rich in mercy. Enough mercy exists for all and forgiveness is available for every sin that man will forsake. This view of God's grace is found frequently in the Old Testament where it is said that he abounds in mercy. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, 
the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Exodus 34, verse 7. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Psalm 103, verse 8. Verse 6 in our lesson reads, And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul calls the church, its principles, services, promises, all of which are enjoyed in Christ, heavenly places. The church of God is the reign of heaven on earth. Verse 7. The exceeding riches of his grace the abounding wealth of his loving kindness, the church, this remnant of pardoned rebels is designed by God to be the masterpiece of his goodness. This godly kindness is conditional. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Lamentations 3 and verse 25. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. God's grace is evidenced in his sending Jesus Christ to pay the price for sin because he chose to make us alive. When we hear the word of his grace, Acts 20, verse 32, and obey it, Romans 6, verse 17 and 18, we are his children, the sheep of his pasture. To mankind is the choice of faith or disbelief. Individual people have not been predestined to life or death, rather, God has predestined a way of salvation through his Son and through his church. To be saved is to turn from the desires of the flesh to faith in Christ and obedience to his command. Paul wrote, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Those who are spiritually dead need the salvation only God can provide. He makes it available because of his grace, not man's merit. We do not earn our salvation. We receive it. This occurs when we respond in faith by complying with God's terms. Those who submit themselves to God's plan are resurrected spiritually. They are given a new life. They have a new purpose. So Paul wrote, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 10. These good works 
are the result of actions of those who are in a faithful relationship with Christ. One who is a Christian works under the same imperative compulsion that is one who is impelled as Christ was. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work, John 9 and verse 4. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus must live differently than the people of the world. We must walk in newness of life, Romans 6 and verse 4. This lesson is yours. Thanks for listening. I pray that something has been said that is both edifying and uplifting. Next week's lesson comes from Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 23. And the title is Before and After. Let us pray for one another. Our Father, which art in heaven, we approach your throne of grace and mercy with humility and awe. We are daily reminded of your power and majesty by your continued attention to our needs and our concerns. You provide us with the breath of life, with the sustaining, life-giving resources we have to continue our daily walk. We pray for understanding and enlightenment, recognition of all the many blessings you shower down upon us. In this recognition, we pray that it leads to a zealous commitment to serve you, to glorify you in word and deed. We come with an overwhelming sense of gratitude, thankfulness, that our lives have been touched by the holiness of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom, by whom, and through whom we have the hope of finding our way back to you, if it be your will. We pray for those who stand afar off from you due to dereliction, depravity, and derangement of the hearts of mind. We pray for the opportunity to engage, edify, and bring these souls to you. We pray for those who remain on their bed of affliction. We pray for restoration and maintenance of their health that may provide full physical mobility and cognitive service to you, Father. Father God, thank you for your presence your spirit, and your continued watchfulness over your church. We continue to pray for all within the sound of my voice, our families, our extended families. Lift us up when we falter. Build us up as needed. And give us these things we stand in need of to serve your goodness, your righteousness. We continue to pray for your spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus Christ. These and all other blessings and favors we send up in the most holy name of 
Jesus Christ, amen. Friends, let us reach out in Christian love to one another. Let us make others' conditions our own through emphatic action. Let us praise God from whom all blessings flow. Count it all joy. Stay safe. Bye for now.